When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX command simulated. Buckle up, because Metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless. Switch to Metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos. So hurry into Metro and get your awesome free phones only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 99. That's right, we're just one show away from show 100. As always, we have unmissable opinions brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Thanks again for tuning into the show. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 for me and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group. That's for deeper dives and discussions and also the way for you to ask questions in La Ronda. So we don't do any paid Patreon listener questions, anything like that. Just join our closed Facebook group, tbpod.link backslash group to ask those questions as well. If you want to help the show, we do appreciate that. That's on our Patreon. That is tbpod.link backslash Patreon. You get the hint, tbpod.link backslash whatever you're looking for. Without further ado, you know who I am. I'm Dan Hilton and joined again by my guest co-host for the day, Eric Vidal who is a member of the Barcelona Los Angeles Peña, and more importantly, the vice president of the Peña Los Angeles. How's it going today, Eric? Great, Dan. Thanks for having me. Well, for everyone who's been watching, there is a buzz, there is an excitement about it. You can hear it, at least already in my voice, and you're going to hear it in Eric's, that with the season beginning unofficially, not officially just yet, that is for this weekend, depending on when you're listening to this, with match day one of La Liga, and I also employ you to go over to BarcaBlog.com. We do have a La Liga preview for the rest of the teams out there. But 
Barcelona have already played two matches and have two trophies. As unofficial as they may be, they still are trophies. Messi is two for two as captain in winning trophies. And that, of course, being the Supercopa of Spain against Sevilla, as well as the Gamper Trophy happening just this afternoon. So the question, La Gran Pagunta, is Barca's team complete? And Eric, where we'll start with this, we're going to start by saying that we're going to put a pin in Luis Suarez business and the forward position at the moment. It's Luis. It's Luis Suarez backed up by Munir and Paco Acacer. So we'll revisit that again. We had some questions for La Ronda because Antoine Griezmann didn't come to the club. We're going to assume again the forward situation is wrapped up. The main topic of our Barcelona's team completion, though, starts with Ousmane Dembele and his saga for this summer. An exhausting thing it has been, Eric, to try to navigate all the issues that the Spanish media has drudged up about Dembele, but it seems like he's here to stay, and as he's shown, at least in the two preseason games that he's, uh, we'll say, rushed back for, he's looked pretty good. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's uh, important to remember also that his summer spent with France, uh, he didn't get a lot of play time, but he was practicing with their first team basically all summer, and you know he, he only played about 17 games for us last season, so... He's had a pretty light workload. He didn't he didn't play the full 90 minutes most games last last uh, season, and this season he essentially got a prolonged training period with a little vacation. I think I think it looks good for him go, heading into the season. Yeah, I tend to believe about nine percent of all the nonsense about the club's commitment to him, his work ethic, hanging out with old teammates who now play for Arsenal, and even how upset apparently he was about the signing of Malcolm. And then potentially getting courted by PSG. Again, 5% of all of that nonsense might be right. I I find that, of course, when all these rumors started, Dembele sat out with Dortmund to come to his dream club, got injured, and never really had time, as you said, to get into a rhythm. And he also cost 145 million euros. And and teams just don't sell guys on a quarter of the dollar after that, after selling, I mean, after buying for for such a, a large fee. And for me, again, a lot of players, particularly his age, he might need, not need a physical break like a lot of the players like Luis Suarez or, or even Rakitic, who's 30. Those guys need to rest their bodies. But for guys that young, they do need some kind of mental break. Last summer wasn't a break for him because he was dealing with all the consternation of trying to get out of Dortmund to come to Barcelona. So just getting a little bit of a mental break after winning the World Cup, I think, is good for the player. And for me, I mean, that's, I think, of any player, not to say a, a new signing, and, you know, we can talk about how important Malcolm could be, but Dembele, if he's firing on all cylinders, he's going to be the biggest addition to the team. Yeah, I think I think the job is to lose. I think he's had enough rest. I don't I don't think he needed a lot to exactly your point. And I think that uh, I think that he's perfectly suited to step up and really um, be the player that we paid for. I mean, if you look at um, what he did in in Dortmund and the number of goals that he scored in uh, his last season there, he scored 32 goals or sorry, he scored six goals in 32 games with 13 assists. And in 17 games with us, he scored three goals with seven assists. So he's on pace to be that player that we want him to be. He just, again, he, he, he needs the minutes. He needs, he needs to gel with the team. I think, I think, like you said, he really can show up and surprise us and become a breakout star to a player who really just kind of needs time and minutes and needs to get to know his teammates a bit better on on the pitch. Yeah, and to bring that back to the big idea of is Barca's team complete, and we talk about him, looking at the depth last season, when Ilesh Vidal was, was getting called into action or Andre Gomes was put on the wing, Obviously, with the minutes that they took last year, there are minutes to be had, and there is room for both Malcolm and Dembele, is my true belief. And we discussed the necessary mentality need to play at Barca with Gomez last season, but as, as we've talked about, young players like Dembele do sometimes need to be told outright that the club does have faith in them. And while I am skeptical that Valverde would have admitted that he directly told Dembele that he has some kind of faith in him, usually those things are kept private and they stay private, so it's a bunch of dredging up. But when you just look at the, the, the minutes for Malcolm and Dembele, it's going to be transition for Malcolm, and we've seen that, where he, he not necessarily has the pace necessary to play at Barcelona, but he clearly has the physical attributes and does have, have an ability that he's shown, at least in Ligue 1, to both finish, to provide assists, and that's going to be his job. It's going to be what he's going to have to do coming in from the wing, and if he can do the kind of jobs that Pedro did, 
that's what is going to be expected of both of these players. As, as we transition this, and we're going to get to Rafinha in a second, but when we talk about this depth, Eric, I find it's almost a double-edged sword, and, and with Barcelona, it's always very reactive, that last season, there seemed to be a lack of depth. That's what we complained about. No rotation, lack of depth. That's what we lost in Rome, and that's where <laughs> a lot of our listeners tuned out as well for the season. But as we yeah. start this new year and everything is, is revitalized and everyone is re-energized, now you say that there's too much crowding in the midfield, that there's too many people left in the camp. No. And isn't that the depth that we asked for? I, I feel like it's almost biting the hand that feeds you, that Barcelona have had this sensational summer where they really have shown, at least on paper, that they've gone out and now they have a much, much deeper team. Now, instead of bringing off someone, someone you don't really trust, now you have Rafinha, who looks to be one of your first midfield options off the bench. And especially if Coutinho plays as that inter- left interior as expected, now you're talking with Arto Vidal as well. You've got, what, five, six midfielders that truly deserve to start on any team in the world. We just didn't have that last year. So, I mean, which one is it? Are we happy about our depth or are we upset because people aren't going to get minutes? Personally, I'm, I'm very happy about our depth. I think this is the deepest bench that we've had in recent memory, definitely uh, in, in the last handful of years. But, uh, you know, to go along with this depth, it's going to be competition. If you just go back to Dembele and Malcolm, Malcolm has scored very well and very quickly in the preseason, even today uh, in, in, our, in our win in the Camp Nou. Um, Malcolm scoring is going to put pressure on Dembele and Suarez to really step up their game. And if you look at all those names that are in the midfield, you look at um, Dennis and Elena and Vidal and Samper if he stays and, and Arthur and, and Puig, You've got so many options that like, it could start on any midfield in the world. And if every player knows that their job is not guaranteed to them, that any of these players, if they show that they can go out and win and outwork somebody, that just makes the team as a unit overall a better side to watch. Yeah, I, I didn't even talk about Arthur and all my naming of different players. Because Rafinha have, really has been the preseason MVP. He's earned his spot at Barcelona, and it's certainly trusted. And there was something when we were watching this game, because I know at this point people were really excited, and of course Twitter's ablaze with, unfortunately not so much Juan Miranda, because it seems like with Jordi Alba not having a clear backup that Juan Miranda is going to be trusted. We know that that's the case, and Kukurea, if he winds up rising to the top as well, maybe he's going to be trusted as in addition to, to Miranda, but Miranda's spot, he doesn't have as much competition, so I think people feel very clear that we are going to see him in the first team, and then people, of course, are worried about Ricky Pooj, and will he make a few appearances? They're pining about the future all the time, and I, I did see a, a few tweets, and, and the feeling that I got just watching the, the Gambert Trophy, that he does things that a lot of guys don't do. The way he plays is a way that we want players that play for Barcelona play and he makes mistakes that a 19 year old would make and so he's not ready for the first team that's obvious but I, the feeling I have when watching the first team in that game pair and again this is a glorified friendly against Boca Juniors who again we're also going at 30 percent 40 percent and it is really more about the fanfare and the fun and these are friendlies that said when guys were on the ball I, I truly had this feeling and a trust. And that's what Barcelona really comes down to. That's, again, one of the reasons why I at least would identify myself as a Kool-Aid, that Barcelona players, to me, what does that mean? It means players that when they have the ball, I trust that something awesome is about to happen. That's, that's that something that not only is aesthetically pleasing, but something that is correct in, in pushing the team forward and helping them be a, a better and, and a winning side. And I feel like when you look at the, some of the things that Rafinha was doing, and even when you look at a guy like Puj, who's not ready for the first team, that if that kind of guy can compete, he does the right things with the ball, and he makes good decisions. The thing about Arturo Vidal is that while he didn't, doesn't necessarily do that, he doesn't give you that same sense, Arturo Vidal, I don't want to forget at any moment that he's a world-class midfielder who has starred for some of the biggest teams in the world. I mean, Bayern Munich and Juventus, it doesn't get any bigger in those countries than those two teams. And other than Real Madrid and some of the Manchester and Chelsea's of the world, I mean, those are the biggest teams that we have on the globe. And Arturo Vidal was a starter for those teams. And if, again, I've said it in previous weeks, if he's your fifth or sixth midfielder, you know that you have a a wonderfully complete midfield that is ready and has a lot of different variety. Yeah, I I completely agree with that sentiment. And I think to kind of that Arturo Vidal um, comment that it's also important to know that some of these players 
that may lack that Barca DNA that everybody's you know buzzing about right now, and whether or not these new signings have it, is somebody like him may just be a role player. They meet they may be somebody who comes in to provide some extra muscle in the midfield to be there for those physical games where you need to set the tone, where you need to just kind of go in and control the game. You may not ask a lot from Vidal other than to be there, um, make sure the ball keeps moving when it comes to you, make sure you find an open player and move along, but you need to be there and you need to make sure that these physical teams get pushed back and know that they need to kind of respect the tempo of the game that we want to set. And that's okay. They don't have to be all the next Xavi or they don't need to all be, you know, just as good as Boosie. They can they can come in and they can play a role that helps this team succeed and and that's perfectly acceptable out of a signing like Vidal. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's also proper when we're excited about the season to be rightfully excited about the season and we're going to get into some of our predictions in the Ronda, but it's the team, it's the names that they're throwing out and we, we, we have continued to talk about the academy and that transition. And we don't know when the next time we will see Miranda or Puj in the first team. So I, I think we're taking advantage right now, having just seen them this afternoon in the, in the Gambier Trophy. We know that Oro Busquets is on the way back. And while Carlos Alenia, as it was announced today, is going to be registered with the B team, it's basically just to help him get his foot, footing back and to get him fresh again. And once he finds his form, because again, Carlos Alenia's minutes in the first team, as you just mentioned, are not guaranteed. So when Alenia is getting first team minutes, he's going to have to hit the ground running and be, not to say almost perfect, but again, the, the there is going to be a great criticism if he's trying to find his form in the first team. He's going to have to already have found his form and be ready to go when he gets his opportunity, if you will, because again, his leash, because he is a bench player, because he has to prove himself and he is young, is not going to be as long as, say, another one of those more established players, or even, let's say, a Sergio Busquets, who has obviously, as long as leashes any player in, in at Barcelona, you're not going to take Sergio Busquets out of your lineup, regardless of how out of form he is. And that just tells you that we've waited this long to even mention Elena. That's a way deeper squad this year. And we have we can be excited about these things that Valverde promised that he wanted a, a smaller squad. And while it doesn't feel like that at the moment, he is showing that he wants to use the academy and he wants to create some of that. Well, he wants to create that transition where you go from the youth academy or Barca B in this case, to the first team. And the fact that he's just showing in the preseason more than I think we've seen in many, many seasons now that that is the intention. I think that is what some of that, the, the good vibes and, and the good mojo that it seems like is buzzing around Barcelona right now. Right. And I think I think what's going to really help these young players and is probably the Ernesto Valverde thing to watch for the season is is how well he manages his, his uh, trainings during the week. Because last season, and it feels like uh, in... Lucho's last season, you would get B-team players that would come up and practice with the first team for maybe a, a day out of the week, and then they'd go back to their team, and then the next week it would be a different set of players. The consistency of these players practicing with the first team and being ready for that call-up is going to be huge, and sure, he's going to need to get other players' minutes practicing with the first team, and they're going to need to come in, but the consistency of these players with the chemistry of the first team and knowing the system of the first team is going to be just as important to their success as getting minutes during the game. So, you know, we, we all should have patience with them, but it's going to be a, it's going to be on Valverde as well to manage his players training. Yeah. And I've, I've put myself through, oh, I don't say put myself through. It sounds like it was tasked to do it, but I have, I've watched the two Barca B friendlies, which again, it may be silly to do, but there's a limited access to the third division in Spain over here in the U.S., obviously, once the season starts. So having the opportunity on Barca's website to watch the B team, I want to take advantage of that. And while I think so much of the onus is on how Pimienta works with Ruiz and maybe even Alex Callado and some of the center backs and the guys who you expect to maybe make the first team someday and some of the ones to be groomed, you do have guys who've been with Barca B now for a few seasons making an impact like Carlos Perez. And as I'm watching it, uh, my, my thinking with Barca B, especially with Francesca and I talking about at the second half of last year, as I give this huge qualifier, that we felt like Barca B getting relegated from the second from the Segunda Division was going to be a huge detriment for the for the quality of the players and for their ability to challenge themselves against you know full professionals, even more so than the third division. But that said, I think that 
having less eyes in this sense, but also having an ability to have Carlos Perez on the wing, you know that he's a good enough player for the third division because he's certainly a good enough player for the second division and a first division somewhere. And he's going to be banging in goals. And that is the place where a guy like Abel Ruiz, the guys who are still teenagers, to really find their confidence so that when they do get into the first team, they get into training with guys like Messi and Valverde gives them a long extended time to practice with the first team and get acclimated to the way that the speed of the game, more so than just going from, again, that friendly against the team they played against was not the speed that, that half the speed that they would play with the first team at. It's almost a silver lining that there it's a place they can find confidence. And certainly with the likes of Carlos Perez and Alex Callado, who was sensational in the game, and Manchu, and you even go on uh, Yandro Ariana, who also got in the game, they're certainly good enough for the third division. And even if they don't get promoted, they're going to be a winning side, if you will. So I wouldn't worry too much about them because the first team with Messi has made it clear that Messi said, we're going for the Champions League. He said it today at the Gambit. We're going for the Champions League this year. He was very blunt in, in, in the way that Messi always is when he delivers some kind of message. He said, that's what our goal is, and that's what the first team is after. And if the youth products want to help with that, they know their, their objective. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's definitely the, 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 the objective for the year. And I think that when it comes to the, to the youth team and whether or not they're going to get competition in the, in the third division, sure, they're going to get some degree of competition that's going to be lesser than in the Segunda. But the ability for them to have players that are training with the first team to come down and be that first team, potential first team caliber, to be training with them, to, to show them that there is a path to the first team. I think it's really going to be on the system this year to lift those players up and get them to get them ready and to kind of provide the, the quality that they're not getting in their opponents. It's going to be on their, uh, you know, going back to training. It's going to be the way that they train. It's going to be the way they interact with their teammates and, and making sure that they're ready for uh, the Copa del Rey this year, which is probably going to be less of a focus. And one thing we want to remind everybody is, is that Pimienta, there has to be some some distance between not liking a guy like Gerard Lopez when he left and finding that or, or believing that Pimienta is some kind of savior. That's what we, they tend to do with managers, right? Man, managers are either scapegoats for losing or they're this, this savior. And it, sometimes it's somewhere in the middle. So especially with youth players, it takes patience, it takes time. And some players are going to are gonna be very receptive to Pimienta's messages and some aren't going to be so receptive or, or they're just not going to develop as expected. But again, just a lot of patience with those guys. And we know what the yes. next generation, the next class is, right? That's Elena, that's Oral Busquets, that's Miranda and Pooj. So we start with those four. That's the next four coming through. So let's not focus on those guys, but just have trust that it, there's, a, there's a system in place. And speaking of systems, it's time to move to the second part of our system or our show. And that's La Ronda, where we've got those questions from the closed Facebook group. Again, thanks for jumping in and asking those different questions as we're going to go through some of these topics here. And Eric, I'm going to have to rely on you for a lot of it. Some of these, as we talked about off air things that I don't necessarily have an expertise with, but we'll see what we can get through. First question from Gotham. Some people are saying that making Sergi Roberto as fourth captain is an odd choice. I think it's no surprise given that he's been with us for a very long time. and has been a vital player for the team. Eric, obviously I even said this publicly that I, I not that he's the obvious choice, but it's the guys in the clubhouse that make this decision. So I think even if they, I mean, yes, they weren't going to pick someone, uh, we'll, we'll say they weren't going to pick someone like Sergi Samper to be captain, but let's say they, they picked, whether it be Rakitic or even if, I guess the best example here, what if they picked Nelson Semedo as the fourth captain? You'd have to trust that the players did that because of a belief that they have in the system or a belief that they have in a leader that they've chosen. We don't see behind the curtain and we just know that they clearly think that Sergio Roberto is the guy good enough to be a fourth captain. So obviously I agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree with their choice to make Sergio Roberto the, the fourth captain. I think if you if you were to construct a roster of your best 11 and you were to leave the right back position for the last position to be filled and you were to, just for the sake of argument, leave Sergi out of the midfield and ask yourself who adds the best value to the team, who's going to put put it all out on the pitch for 90-plus minutes, and who's going to be able to adapt the best to whatever the tactics are that day, I think it's a pretty easy, at least for me, to say that that's, that's Sergi. Sergi. Sergi knows the system. You look at 
the remontada where it was Sergi that was going after the ball until well into extra time and kept that belief alive. You know, he's a living legend now. Um, Sergi Roberto, I genuinely believe, whether or not right back is his natural position, whether or not he starts in midfield or where, you know, right wing, it doesn't really matter. The, the quality of his player and the, the quality that he brings as kind of a, a leader on the pitch that just doesn't stop for 90 minutes and will do whatever he's tasked with obviously resonates really well with his teammates, and it resonates well with us as fans. And we wonder with, again, him not necessarily being the guaranteed starter at right back, and we saw him in midfield. He's good enough to play there as well for the club. It, having that captain's armband, and obviously it's, he's only going to have that captain's armband when Messi, Busquets, and Piquet are not in the lineup, and how many times is that going to happen in the season? Probably none, but the point is that that clearly shows as well that he's a major part of this club. So you cannot forget that Sergio Roberto is constantly pushing for a role in the starting 11, and he is going to be... And I think that's a good thing. Whether he's starting in midfield or in right or at right back, the guy can start in every match, even if you're rotating. And that just it gives a better option to rotate if you trust him to play in both. And, you know, they always say that, oh, you want your best starting 11 to be the best players in those starting 11. Well, again, that's... I, and I'm not sure if that was Louis Van Hall or if that, that even is a Jose Mourinho idea. I'm not sure which manager made tried to make that idea popular, but I, that's never been the way at Barcelona. It's the whole... Croyfian idea of going all the way back to total football that Roberto can play multiple positions because he knows what the fundamentals of the ways that Barcelona play or the way that every top level team plays pass and move pass and move make the right decisions keep your head up off the ball and constantly be working off the ball and that's something he does really really well well question number two from Deb Deep with the appointment of Eric Albidal as director of football and the incredibly incredibly positive changes he has brought to our transfer policy do we need Pep Segura to be Barca's general manager and shouldn't someone much more qualified be filling that position especially in light of the fact that he wanted to let Puj go for lack of physicality that of course was a story that came out about how Segura wasn't necessarily sold on Puj but Bartomeu or somebody else on the board stepped in and said, no, we have to make sure this, this kid is, is renewed with the club. And now I don't know how much I want to believe about that. Anything that comes out about any of the backroom dealings. Now, Barcelona, I think in the past, and Eric, we've both been fans of the club long enough, and particularly in the age of social media, where it's felt like certain seasons there have been leaks and certain things have come out more so than other seasons. And I think this is a pretty tight-lipped, led by Eric Alvidal, I think because it's a new regime right now, things are a pretty tight lip. And I, 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 again, I tend to disbelieve anything that comes out to try to paint everything that one guy like Eric Alvidal does and have him be completely in control. And then everything negative is Pep Segura. And, you know, it's all his negative ideas that are against the club about physicality, about this and that. I think a lot of this comes from conversations with a lot of different people that we forget about. And I, I don't think it's necessarily Pep Segura. And at this point, isn't he now qualified that he's been the guy for Barcelona now for a few years? And not that we trust him or put all of our faith in him, but we have to understand that it's a collaborative effort between the board, between Albidal, between Segura, between everybody, between Planes, who we cannot forget, Roman Planes also joined the club. Yeah, I, I, I think it's very hard to talk about the, the front office or, or what goes on in, in boardrooms or, or in these meetings that are well above my pay grade. Um, I, I think it's very hard to, to put ourselves in there and it's very easy to take something on social media that's just a quote that is kind of taken out of context or, or we don't know the context because to your point, there's there's so many people involved in all of these discussions and, and, it, and in every move that's made, it's never one single person just um, you know saying this is how it's going to be. Um, those conversations that you know made him maybe not want uh, or maybe you know let go of players that otherwise really should have been on the on the roster longer we should have made a different decision on it, it's hard to say who was in their ear at the time who who was involved in that decision making process how much pull every person had it, it's it's tricky and, and it's speculation and, and and I think really what we have to do is look at you know what what we can track we can track that right now they're they're making a lot of really good decisions that um, you know, just look at Eric Abidal coming in, and this off season seems to be this this wonderful breath of fresh air where you know our our balance sheet looks practically even. You know, we made a little bit of a profit. That that 
those things weren't just one person. That's that's people buying into a system. That's different people have different polls in there. And you know, if if you just learned about Pepsigura today, after finding out about our great off season, you would think that he's part of the solution, not part of the problem. So it, it's context. It's it's a lot of things we don't know. It's 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 hard to comment on. I even I was digging in our archives for the show. Uh, looking back one year ago and trying to see, you get a feel of where we were one year prior. And the, one of the main topics we were talking about was the movement to get Bartomeu out of the club. And now they have this this fantastic one, this fantastic summer this year. And I think that's that's one of the big indictments of, of certain guys when over multiple years, if something seems to have changed. And I, I think about how AC Milan is right now. And a lot of the time, ownership in, in other clubs, it's more cut and dry. Where you think about the Premier League, ownership winds up over a long period of time you can really put the blame on them and I, I think with American sports I mean you and I are you living in LA and me living in New York we have an understanding too with American sports where it seems like over time you can fire managers and fire head coaches but if a team continues to be bad for a decade or or or, or of a certain string of players and personnel and there seems to be profiles that continue to fit that don't work in a winning system then that falls on ownership and that falls on the people up top and that was the worry about Bartomeu last year that it had been a few summers where things seemed to not be going a good way and if at its root La Mazia was having it was seemed to be part of an, a problem and not a solution that's what made people scared and that's what made them believe that Bartomeu might have been the problem might have gone all the way to the top and now in one year and now with this new summer and a new initiative, it seems like Barcelona is trying to rectify that issue, and now everything seems great. Yeah, I, I think that just shows how complex it is at the top, right? It's so easy to just say Bartomeu out, that you're making all the wrong decisions, signings are not good, this direction clearly comes from somewhere, you know, how do we how do we get back Masia? How do we stop signing Galacticos? How do we, you know, what, whatever's going wrong to pin it on somebody in the front office, but you know, look look at it over time, see how they adapt to new personnel coming in, and if that personnel just keeps revolving and there's one constant, it's that person's fault. But if they can adapt and they can change over time, then, you know, maybe it's not that person's fault. All right, we have a, a big theme that we're going we're gonna to work on now, and these are questions from Minor, Charlie, Daniel, as well as kind of looping in questions from Ranja as well about... Luis Suarez and that he has looked we'll say out of form and that is because he just did come back from vacation but more worrying is that the way he plays and making those runs behind the defense El Pisolero does just he doesn't look like he can take on those young center backs he just cannot keep up with them he can't play the way that he's used to playing he just looks a little out of sort and even physically he looks a, a little past it and now we both know that that's not necessarily the case. We know that there is form in there still left to be found. But that also begs the question that if Luis Suarez winds up looking like a weak link, and this, those are Charlie's words, what kind of options does the club have? And now comes in questions from Daniel and Raja, where will a striker need to be paid for in January? Because, Eric, you and I both know that buying a, a striker in January is fool's gold, where you spend a whole lot of money for a guy that there must be some kind of reason why he either wasn't playing or wasn't finding the back of a net for another club. And it's almost naive to think that by bringing a guy in for a a huge amount of money in January, which is what it takes to get those guys, that he's just going to find form in limited appearances for Barcelona. Yeah, I I don't think we should pick anybody up at at the striker position if uh, Suarez continues to struggle come January. I think we have enough competition uh, up front that, you know, whether it be... Malcolm, Munir, Paco, Rafinha, whoever it it, it could be that's going to challenge Suarez. Um, if, if Suarez goes out of form and, and that competition stays good and those and those backups are, are ready to step up, then, then Suarez will be phased out and we have a lot of good talent ready to score goals. Malcolm has showed it. Rafinha's in good form. Um, Munir's had some pretty decent seasons. He's When he left us on loan... I mean, we, we have options. We can definitely manage. You know, Coutinho can move up front. I, I think we have so much versatility, and our bench is so deep right now that, that buying a player really isn't um, the answer to our potential Suarez problem. 
Now, Julian asks, and we talked about this a lot in the Gran Pagunta, how do you think the game time of both Dembele and Malcolm will be managed throughout the season? And I think uh, comparing those players, and this is uh, going a different direction, I think comparing them is going to be natural. Of course, they're both young, and they are both brought in to play on the wing. They're both left-footed, so obviously there are a lot of comparisons. But they're both parts of the team. They're both cogs in the, in the, in the decision-making, and they, they do slightly, as we have seen in the, in the preseason, they do slightly different things where Dembele is more of an assist maker. He is more of a guy that likes to pass first when he gets in the attacking third, while Malcolm is going to take him a little bit of time to find his passing touch and to find that chemistry with teammates that Dembele, at least in training, has been able to find. So while he is going to be relied on much more in the first half, Malcolm might come on second, and that doesn't. I think it's a dangerous thing to continue to compare these two. Yeah, and I think, uh, to a comment I made earlier, I, I think it's Dembele's uh, role to lose. I think it's, it's his job to lose, and... I think, you know, the team has invested a certain amount of money in him. I think, um, you know, what what we saw in the Supercopa shows that he can step up and he can score when we need him to. And, and as we kind of alluded to earlier in the show, he hasn't gotten a lot of minutes. He needs that time. He needs that belief. He needs that confidence and that chemistry. And that's only going to come with with time and being around his teammates and really gaining a confidence that you can only gain by playing through those tough games with your with your teammates i mean look at messi and suarez they they're friends off the pitch they they seem to be able to always link up when they get to that final third um you watch those runs that either of them make in and they're looking for the other because they know that they're coming that anticipation they're going to learn to trust him and and he'll find his goal scoring form if he gets if he gets the minutes and we've already kind of answered this uh, Ellie's question. This is pretty easy. Do you think we're all set in the midfield? We talked about Arthur, Vidal, Rafinha is, is what, 95% assured to stay, and that's not mentioning Busquets, Rakitic, Coutinho, and Sergi Roberto as well, and Alenia, and now Puj, and there's, there might, I, I think there might be somebody it's even an missing embarrassment there. embarrassment of riches. Right. Yeah. I, would say, I would say no. I think they, they've built something already. The team seems to be established. And you look at the dysfunction with the transfer window last year that one of the questions we were asking on the show as of next week even, so that being like next week's show, was who can still come in, who can be brought in, and what are they going to bring to the club and, and trying to reinforce. And Barcelona's pretty set and hadn't, has been the case. And we're not talking about just winning Champions Leagues, but for every team at every level, it seems like the earlier they get their business done, and the more established and figured out their team is and the fuller the preseason, the better they're clicking at the start. And it's funny that while Barcelona last season it was the opposite, where they seem to be so dysfunctional, and then they destroy everyone in the Liga all season long, That I think that is more of a, an, an outlier in the whole big picture, that if you're established, you're going to start your, your season well in league, and that is going to help you when matches get a little more crowded and a little more difficult. And that's one of those whole things about rotation, that if Barca really do have that quality and are, are functioning as a full unit, those Liga games in the second half of the year, if they're not worrying about a perfect season, but they have a comfortable lead as they did last season, that they know they can put out the likes of Arthur and Arturo Vidal and Sergi Roberto as, let's say, a starting three in your midfield, and you rest Rakitic and Coutinho and Busquets, and you know that you're still going to get at least one point when you head up to Celta de Vigo, which is always a difficult place to play, or let's say you head on the road to Real Sociedad and you're just looking for the one point because you're up by a few points in the league or you, or you know one point is going to be, we'll say, good enough, then those are the kind of decisions that Navarrete is able to play. And that does bring us directly into our next question, so I'll let you answer kind of both of these at the same time, Eric. And Jamie asks, what are your 2018-2019 season La Liga predictions? I'll let you go first. Uh, I think my season La Liga predictions are that um, we will probably win La Liga. I think that the the closest competition is going to be Atletico Madrid. I think we'll see Real struggle. Um, it'll probably be uh, probably be in third, uh, fighting for that second spot, depending on how the team rises up to the absence of Cristiano Ronaldo and and their new manager. Um, and I think after that. Uh, you know, I, I expect Girona to do well. Um, I, I think I, I think it's going to look a little bit different in that top in that top six than we've seen in in years past, where where maybe it's a little more lopsided towards us, and 
it's Atletico Madrid over Real Madrid, I, I think that's a real genuine possibility this season. Yeah, part of me thinks that the La Liga finish will finish the exact same way it finished last year, with the top four being Barcelona, Atletico, Real Madrid, and, and Valencia in that order. Um, I think one of the big things this season, and while the promoted clubs, which being Rio Vallecano, Huesca, as well as Real Valladolid, all three of them are going to struggle and going to have their issues. I mean, but in the same way that we thought Girona was going to have their issue, Huesca, they're a team that all throughout Segunda Division last year, whether it was on the road or at home, they played very hard, and they are a hard-playing team. Rio Vallecano historically is a, is a flashy club, but they are a, a very disciplined team as they were in the Segunda Division. Real Valladolid, last season, they're the ones that slipped through that playoff, but to get through the Segunda Division, where there are more teams, same thing with a championship in the Premier League, the difference is with the Premier League, there's a, a ton of top four, top six money, and there's a ton of money at the top, and it helps if you've been established in the, in the league. While in La Liga, obviously, yes, we have to be, you know, we have to be admitting of a fault in that Barcelona and Real Madrid eat up so much of the TV revenue that it, it does make, we'll say that the bottom 12 to 15 teams almost a wash and it, it, very comparable in what they're able to do with the transfer window, particularly when they're competing with the Premier League, which already closed. And all that said, I think looking up and down, Hadafe surprised last year, Javona surprised, and any team could surprise you. The one team that, again, I don't want to pile on top of them because Frances was much harder on them being from Catalonia than I am, but Espanyol lost Gerard Moreno. their 16 goals. They also lost uh, another player that scored one, and they only scored 33 total goals last year. So they lost more than half of their goal output, and they lost their talisman up top in, in Moreno. I don't see a way that Espanyol survives relegation. And they're gonna, they are gonna have to do something and have a perfect storm. And maybe they have youth players that we don't know about. And it's funny they went on their own preseason tour, but they set up shop for about a week in Richmond, Virginia. And they really did try to spread their brand, uh, a, a very grassroots effort. They didn't just go around like superstars, like all the rest of the big clubs in the ICC. They went and they were trying to grow a global brand. And it seems like they have a long-term plan. But as far as talent, when I look up and down that roster, they're the only team that I, I can really circle and say, I don't know if, if they can make it. I don't know if they can stay up. And I think Alaves might be in a similar boat. On the other side of that, as we talk about teams that, that really didn't bring anybody in, Real Batiste has almost done an overhaul, and they're going to be a team that is either going to be pushing for top four or that is going to be a, a glorious explosion <laughs> over uh, down, on the, down on the South Shore. Never never sleep on Batiste. Always always watch them. They, they had an incredible season last season. I think um, I think one of the things we'll probably wind up seeing is a is a tightening at the top. I think I think gone are the days that La Liga is very distinctly a, a two horse race with a huge power gap between everybody else, and they're kind of battling for either meaningless spots or you know it, the season's more or less decided. A, a, with a couple months to go, I think if you look at the way we've been trending these last couple seasons, and I talked to my Premier League friends about this, um, it's not as desperate of a gap that that you would think as the media paints it to be. I think there there really has been a lot more competition at the top between Sevilla and Valencia and and Getafe and and Betis and and uh, Girona. That's the name I was looking. Uh, and, and Girona, I think you really have a uh, a tight top where you have some real competition, and and it's not going to be just guaranteed one or two teams run away with the league. I think you know even if I do believe that we have the deepest team and the best chance to to be champions, I think we're going to have a lot tougher away games or or a lot tougher competition for you know say say half the season if you're fighting that top half that really only has a couple points separating each of them that I, I think our league is just getting better and better and and it's going to be it's going to be an interesting dogfight this year yeah two teams we didn't even mention were Sevilla and Villarreal 
at all. And, and Sevilla, they just lost Steven Nzonzi, which is, is a big loss for their midfield, but they also brought in a ton of players. And we saw they lost their form last year, so they certainly, again, that is going to be, that was the match of the season last year, Real Batiste versus Sevilla. And that has a an opportunity to do just the same. And I, I always like it where we always just think of Barcelona, but the Liga as a whole, I would implore people to get involved in watching some of those other teams. And even even the, the Bass Derby between Atletico Bilbao and Real Sociedad, which with both teams kind of floundering last year, certainly wasn't what it used to be. But if they can figure things out again, both of those sides, and they're historically great sides in the Liga, that just makes the league better as well. And speaking of watching the league, again, what a perfect transition. Eric, great job by us as we wrap up the show with questions from Stefano and Henry. That being, and again, this is catered more to our U.S., audience but can you explain the broadcasting issue between BN Sports and Comcast that being Infinity and where we're able to watch the Liga games here in the U.S. and Henry asked where can Barca fans in the U.S. watch the Liga games and now of course because Eric you and I both are in the U.S. we uh, if you join the Barcelona podcast you can actually read and you might have seen it online that um, there was a deal between Barcelona and Facebook where there are eight countries that are going to be putting free Barcelona games on Facebook, so that is great news for those places. And again, unfortunately, uh, the different things are in in the in the UK or in Europe. So not to say you're on your own, but just in this case, now for me, I watch it. I have a subscription with Fubo TV, but I know between there's uh, there's Sling TV and there's a lot of different options for people. But for those who have Comcast, and we were talking about it off air, Eric, I'll let you take the lead on this one. They seem to be having an issue with being sports right now. Yeah. So. Uh, before that, you have, you have tons of options. There's DirecTV, there's Fubo, there's Sling. There's there, there are plenty of options. A, a lot of them are affordable. Some of them are more expensive. Find, find the one that's right for you. Um, plug for Peñas. Go support your local Peña. Uh, watch it with them at the bar. Have a good time. Um, but but with with Xfinity, uh, Comcast, and uh, and and BN Sports. I don't know all the details, but what I do know is that B and Sports has been fighting to get out of the expensive tiers of add-on packages and into the more affordable tiers to be able to spread their brand um, and just be in more homes. And um, Comcast, Xfinity pushed back, and I don't know how the negotiations went down, but it basically led with B and Sports being dropped from uh, Comcast Xfinity. And um, so I don't, I don't know how that'll resolve. Generally, um, when things like this happen, they're trying to uh, play a certain amount of uh, negotiation hardball with them. Okay, go ahead and drop us. Um, we'll get our fans to rally behind us. You'll see ads from BN Sports telling you to call this number, write this email, click this link show your support for us because what they want to do is they want to show that they have a value to the network and show that they're worth being in those less premium packages and being worthy of those larger distribution channels um so it, it's very probable that uh, they will get back on the air and they may have to settle being in a more expensive tier um more expensive than what they want it may be what some of listeners already have um, these things are negotiating tactics and th- there are always options and and sometimes this is just what they do to to garner some support and, and show that their brand is worth it so i if i had to venture a guess i'd say you have plenty of options um but it's it's very likely that bb and sports comes back on comcast or, or xfinity and and it just may not be what being sports wants it to be it may be that they they can't afford to give up the good momentum that they have with their brands uh, and with the leagues that they have the rights to, to, to not be in homes. So they give in and they go on the more expensive tier, but they come back around next time their deal is up and start this negotiation and bargaining room tactics again. Well, if you can't find a way to watch it on your own on TV, a good way to watch it, and this is around the world, is, of course, to be in a Pena. And, Eric, you're someone who knows plenty about watching and getting involved with Penas. So uh, we've had a, a lot of my co-hosts of recent weeks have been or belong to Penas, that being Mike in Montreal or Victor in, in Houston. And, again, we've been employing people that, that get involved in the Barcelona community. And as terrible as it is on the Internet and as mean as people can be behind a keyboard, 
when you're watching with other fans face to face, you do kind of remember what it's all about. So, uh, Eric, I want to give you a platform again to give your plug, not only for your Pena in Los Angeles, most specifically, but for Pena's around the world. Yeah, so uh, definitely go and support your local Pena's. Um, if you're in Los Angeles, you can find us on all of our social media at Pena Barca LA or at uh, Um at most not most cities, but most major cities around the US have a Pena whether it's official or unofficial um, you know if, if you've never been to an event with a Pena what you can basically expect is is that you're going to be watching a game with a bunch of people who love the same team with just as much passion as you you know we have the Supercopa just last week and it was the first time seeing everybody back in the bar and you know, from a management perspective, we had ICC come to our town and we had all of these kind of uh, deals that we had to make to get ready for the season and you just kind of get lost in the paperwork. And then that first day back and you see all these familiar faces and people are, you know, giving each other high fives and hugs and I'm happy to see you. And you remember it just, it feels like you're you're at Christmas and, and that's that cousin that you haven't seen in a while and you're happy to see them. And, and, and Peñas are just, they're, they're families. They 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 feel like a family. It's a it's a great time where you just get to hang out and talk to your friends that uh, love the same team as you. And uh, you know you can you can reach out to me on social media and I can help you find a Pena near you. Or you can reach out to any Pena that you know of and ask them if there's a Pena near you. And if you want to start your own Pena or or there's not a Pena in your city and you want to have a Pena in your city, there's no shortage of Barcelona fans in your city. They just need a place to go to watch games together. So go out and start one yourself. That sounds like a good plan. Again, I'm here in New York, and occasionally I do get over to the New York Pena, so you might be able to meet me if you're ever in the New York area and go to watch a Barcelona game. But for the rest of your time, continue, please, listening to the Barcelona podcast, supporting the show, and subscribing as well, as we thank you so much for listening. You're why we do it. Thanks again to Eric for being my guest co-host for the day. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Forza Barca. This season, all your favorites have one home for the holidays. Yours with Disney+. Plus. Merry Christmas! Moana, Woody, Buzz, Captain Marvel, Darth Vader, and Homer will all be there, so make room. Make Disney Plus your home for the holidays. Streaming Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Nat Geo, and 30 seasons of The Simpsons. That's something to celebrate. Merry Christmas to you! All these and more now streaming. Go to DisneyPlus.com to sign up now. What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX Command simulated. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.